Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Knight of Cups and Jason. Today's show will focus on the Queen of Cups and Helen. Myth and Tarot, where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, cups, and symbols, and all of the above. Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, a show about ancient stories, new aged wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Uh, May this year be full of better things than last year. And happiness and it's prophetic. Yeah, <laughs> this is my prophetic statement. Better than last year. May it be better, or you know, also just good. Good is good. Good is good. Yeah, may it be good. We have high hopes. <laughs> I am full of uh, excellent vocabulary today. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, yes. Yeah, so we're talking about the Queen of Cups today. Yes. Which is a pretty good way to start the year, um, as she does talk about many of the things that make New Year's resolutions a possibility, such mm-hmm. as dreaming. True. Because we're still talking about court cards in the cups. All the court cups, cards in the, I'll say that five times fast, right? Court cards in the cups. Um, all the court cup cards. Yep. Yep. All of them have to do with dreaming in, in some aspect or okay. other, right? Um, Is however, that because of the water? Yes, because they're all very uh, in tune with their emotions, intuition, relationships. Mm. All of these aspects have a lot to do with the water symbols, uh, as well as just the fact that the cups are water cards, right? So all of the court cards that are represented by the cups are all very intuitive and dreamlike. However, uh, they all have their own little aspect based off of their position, right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got your, we looked at the Page of Cups, who is very much a learner, a dreamer, um, very curious individual, right? Kind of um, more more playing with ideas for the sake of playing with ideas. And then you have the Knight who likes to take action on those many ideas and those many dreams. um, And sometimes we'll we'll get carried away with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we've got the Queen and the King coming up next week as well. So... Let's talk a little bit about the queen today. Yeah. All right. Um, so looking at the card, we have a beautiful woman who is seated upon this very well-decorated stone throne. And uh, it looks like she is, like the the landscape is that is immediately on the water, right? So she's not in the water, but she's on the ground. And... She actually has one foot that is dipped in the water and one foot that's on land. And this is very significant in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot. Um, In the background, you also can see some cliffs. They kind of look like uh, the Dover, the cliffs of Dover in England to Mm, me. Yeah. Except they're they're yellow. Yeah. They're yellow, not white. But yeah, they're very high up and that kind of sharp incline Mm -hmm. is... Reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah, but she's she's more on the seashore, kind of. Yes, she's more on the seashore. She's not on the cliff. There's cliffs in the background. Um, and it looks like at her feet, there might be pebbles or 
They could be precious gems, they could be seashells, uh, they could even be flower petals. Uh, it's not entirely clear. They're, they're circular shapes and they're green and red. Um, and it looks kind of like she's sitting at, uh, like she might be on the sand underneath of that as mm-hmm. well. Um, okay, so the sky behind her is all blue and clear. Um, it, there might even be like a, a village way off in the distance. It's kind of hard to hard to see yeah. that. But uh, let's talk a bit bo- more about the actual queen. Her mm-hmm. her throne is very well decorated. It has at the at the top near her head. It has this beautiful shell, and it might be a clam or an oyster shell. Mm. Um, I'm leaning towards like it. It seems more like the kind of clam shell w- that Venus was portrayed in definitely looks more like that yeah um when she was coming out of of the ocean definitely and i think that's very important uh symbolically for the queen of cups as well on either side you have what looks like little cherubs only instead of wings they have fish tails little mer people little mer babies babies. Little, little babies on either side uh with mermaid tails and then um following down her her throne on the side of it there's another little baby um and it's not entirely clear if it's a mer baby or not but it almost looks like they have wings or it's holding a fish water. yeah so it could be it could be like w- wings of water um but the baby's holding a fish um on the throne um, Almost like the Page of Cups, how he was holding a or cup no, with, uh, with a fish that was mm-hmm. coming out. Yeah, so um, obviously children are, are very important to the Queen of Cups. Um, and, and that is very true. You've got uh, this woman, as we're going to describe her a little bit more, she's very artistic, very intuitive, as many of the court cards are in the Cups suit. Um, however, she is holding a cup. And she's she's looking at it very um, like very um, intently, mm-hmm. and her cup is extremely ornate. It is large. It has on either side of it what looks like an angel. Um, it has a cross at the top of it, uh, and it is also closed. And of all the cups in in this whole suit, the Queen of Cups is the only one who carries a cup that is closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this very much has to do with this idea that um, as in t- as emotional as she is, as intuitive as she is, she keeps most of these emotions to herself. Mm. Her cup is closed. Like almost that she's closed off. Yeah, she's closed off to others. Um, and not in, like she's still a very warm person. Mm. She's very warm and, and emotional, but she keeps her own emotions hidden. Okay. She keeps her own powers to herself and hidden from others. Um, looking down, she's wearing this cape that's clasped at her neck with a red seashell. Uh, looks like another clamshell. Mm-hmm. Um, the cape looks like it is made of, of the tide, if you will. <laughs> like it, it's got kind of like blue and white, almost like waves crashing. Um, she's wearing all, all in white as well. And uh, what else? Uh, her hair is braided underneath of a very tall crown. And crowns normally do symbolize um, a connection with the higher level, right? So like a connection with God, if you will. 
Um, so there's is that a, why kings and queens wear crowns? Yeah, um, because they're it's bestowed like the position is bestowed upon them by God, and the crown represents a connection. I honestly didn't know divi- that. Divine. Oh yeah, Interesting. yeah. And the higher huh. the crown, it's supposed the closer to closer you are. It's then? supposed to symbolize the the higher up you are with God. Uh, I yeah. didn't know that. Well, at least that's what it means in the tarot. Um, I'm pretty sure. Probably. I'm pretty that sure it means sense. that. Yeah. I don't know. I was watching The Crown on Netflix. Oh yeah. And I feel now that you say that that makes kind of, that makes sense that yeah. I don't think she wore wore the crown until she was um Oh no, now I can think of the word. Coronated. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. The coronation, yeah. yes. Yeah. Interesting. Good show, good show. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Highly um, recommend. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, her her crown, the size of it is is rather large, um, com- compared to some of the other crowns, and this very much has to do with her sense of connection with the divine as well. So let's talk a little bit more about hmm. the Queen of Cups. Okay. So the first thing that really like jumps out at me here is the fact that she does have this this giant cup that's closed off. It is really different from the other cups in yes, the suit. It's very different from the other cups. Um, the fact it's so ornately decorated, the fact she's she's holding it with two hands as well. Um, it's in her right hand and her left hand is placed on top of it. Um, and she's she's gazing into it and she's gazing towards the left as well, which often symbolizes a tendency to look towards the past mm-hmm. rather than the future. Um, so similarly, the Queen of Cups is a person who very much will look to the past, um, but she's also staring at this cup. And the cup in her very much represents her power. It represents her intuitive power, um, her, her, her wisdom, if you will, her emotions. And she is a master of emotions. She, as a, as a person, she's the person that will show up and just know what everyone's feeling Mm. i would so like very empathic yes very empathic um very emotional but at the same time she's not she doesn't let her emotions get away from her um i would say on the meyer briggs personality type she is an infj personality um and i'll describe that a little bit more since i'm i'm connecting the court cards with uh meyer briggs personality types which is a um, a system that has 16 different personalities, and I found out that hey, they actually match up pretty good to the the tarot the cards. 16 court cards in ta- tarot. Yes. Um, if you want more about this, our last episode describes this a little bit more when we were talking about the Knight of Cups and his relationship with the ENFP personality type. Um, so go have a look at that one or uh, listen to that one for more information. Or I highly recommend um, a website called 16 Personalities as well. If you want to have a little bit more insight of what each of these personalities will, we'll put we'll put a link yep. up on our on our site in, the show notes. in, in our show yep. notes. That's right um, for that as well. OK, so I would describe her as an INFJ personality type because she very much has this really strong intuition where she just knows things almost like psychic she's almost like a psychic kind of person um and she knows the best way to do things however at the same time she tends to be very reserved about how she shares this information um she's almost always portrayed as sitting down which 
represents her passive nature. And I really see this strong connection between her and the high priestess. Mm. Right? Because, yeah, she was sitting down as well. Yes, the high priestess was, was definitely On sitting down. On a throne, down. too, I think. Yep, it was a throne, only the difference here was the high priestess was looking at the viewer, right. very much seated in the present, mm-hmm. whereas the, the Queen of Cups is looking more towards the past. Gotcha. Um, other differences, like, she's not as powerful as the high priestess is. Obviously, the high priestess is, like magic (laughs) super powerful she's super powerful yeah yeah. um but other differences is that the queen of cups is not as sure of herself as the high priestess is um not to say that this is an infj trait or anything just like the meyer briggs personality types aren't the same as the tarot personalities like um the the different the main difference here is that in meyer briggs you are only one personality type and in tarot um, personality is much more fluid. Um, and you can be more than one person. You can be more than one person. At, like, uh, several times. It, it, like, the people that show up in tarot are showing up to represent traits of a person that are appearing in yourself. It's like, you are acting like the Queen of Cups. Right. Right? So, if someone says, oh, you're acting like your mother, for example, it doesn't mean you are your mother. It just means that there's... There's parts of your mother that might shine through mm-hmm. in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, so similarly, the, uh, if you are, if the Queen of Cups appears, it doesn't mean you are now an INFJ personality type. It just means that some of these traits might be coming forward in you as well. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So just to clarify that. Yeah, no, it's good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the Queen of Cups very much holds all of her power to herself and What makes her particularly powerful is that she is looking for the right time to release it. She, so she knows, so she's a very empathic person, but she also doesn't share her own emotions as, as much. Um, she keeps them more closed off. Sometimes the Queen of Cups will appear, um, as a need to look within yourself. Um, so she, she might be appearing as this, as this person saying, hey, you are absorbing everyone else's emotions and you are forgetting about your own and you need to look after yourself. Okay. So she can appear with that message. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So she'll appear with that message. Other messages that she might be appearing for is might be the flip side. She might be saying something like, you've been waiting too long. Maybe you should be learning how to um, stand on your own. And I, I use the word stand because she is, of course, sitting down, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, she's very much a dreamer. She very much has these strong ideals, and her intuition makes it very clear to her which direction she needs to go with these ideals. Um, however, she's also very passive, kind of like... Kind of like the high priestess in this case. High priestess is about the time of waiting and the power Mm -hmm. of waiting. Um, The queen going within, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. going within, um, looking at your, going with your gut, like with your intuition, um, but also just waiting for the right moment, right? Um, The queen of cups sometimes is stuck waiting because the queen of cups sometimes thinks that she needs someone else to help her with her action with her ideas right um so she sometimes she's kind of almost a damsel in distress Mm -hmm. uh because she believes that she needs um another person in particular she'll she thinks she needs a man Mm. 
um, which is kind of one of the difficulties of of the Queen of Cups if she is arriving. She might be saying, hey, you can do this on your own. Or she might be saying, maybe you do need someone else. To help, yeah. Right? Because um, she does have this message as well. Like, she has this belief that she's, she can't do things by herself, which is one of, another reason why she's always portrayed as sitting down. Um, so let's look at the other two symbols, um, or the other two cards that she's referencing as well, is, the, is temperance and the star. And the reason why I talk about these two particular cards is if you remember in the in the card of temperance and the card of the star both of those cards had a character who had one foot in water and one foot on land and here in the queen of cups we have that again um, so one foot in water and one foot on land very much is this idea of balancing uh, reality with dream world right? which makes sense for her exactly yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's once again uh, an underlying struggle in all of the court cards for the suit of the cups right is this idea of balancing one with the other although i'd say for the queen of cups she particularly is talking about faith a lot there's a lot of symbols of faith we have the cross on top of her cup at the very top we have this high crown um and and the fact that she's got one foot in water uh, the same as the the same as the star did very much is talking about this this belief that she has in in the divine right okay um and this might be one of the th one of the tools that she uses to not be by herself in her endeavors um she so she very much feels like she can't do things alone mm -hmm. but she's never alone because she has a very strong faith um another thing however is that she's also referencing temperance very strongly she references temperance by having the one foot in water and one foot on land, but also by having this closed cup. Mm -hmm. Because in temperance, we had two cups with water that was going from one cup to the other cup, which is like a closed cycle. And similarly, we have this closed cup in her hands, which is uh, once again talking about reserving her power, reserving, um, n not necessarily getting too involved with something. Um, so in, in particular, I would say that she she advocates for the need to withdraw from uh, difficult situations in particular. And so she would she would advocate um, not getting too emotionally involved. Right. Almost like prudence, but with your heart and with your emotions. Yeah, exactly. So she she's advocating not not getting too like not falling too hard in love, not mm -hmm. um, not getting too angry. Uh, not getting too happy even she very much is almost like jedi like <laughs> you know um, keep it all together she's got to keep it all together keep it within and this is how she finds peace okay um so very complex woman for sure uh she's very powerful and um one of the main things that makes her so powerful is the fact she's gorgeous people at people are very much drawn to her. She has this belief that she can't do things on her own, but people flock to her to help her as well, right? Like she is like yeah. that, she is that damsel in distress. She's, mm -hmm. she, um, her beauty is, is very much a characteristic of her and she's extremely attractive as well. Um, and it's part of that intuition, it's part of that otherworldliness, that purity about her mm -hmm. that really makes people attracted to her. Um, 
Oh, geez, there's so much to say about her. I could go on and on, but I think we're we should probably move on maybe, to maybe a little bit. <laughs> we should move on to the the story of the figure that yes. she reminds well, you of. That is a good kind of lead into it, saying that she you know she's very beautiful and people mm-hmm. flock to her um, because the person I'm going to talk about today is Helen, Helen um, of Troy, known, known as Helen of Troy, the also. face that launched a thousand ships, <laughs> the lady. Oh, did I just took your line. No, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, yeah. Um, Helen of Troy, Helen of Sparta, also known as. All right. Um, yeah. So she was in many a location. She that she was not by choice, or maybe by choice. Something we can talk <laughs> about. Um, but it's she's true. Yeah, she's definitely one of the most well-known figures of early Western literature, um, but also I think one of the most misunderstood mysterious if you will also mysterious sounds like a kind of woman who has her cup closed definitely definitely keeps things close to the chest yeah that's the no one really knows what's in her mind but lots Mm. of people like to speculate Mm -hmm. definitely yeah so she is definitely a loving and emotional person she's a great mother and very smart um, but like many other women at her time, she really didn't have much agency and is kind of blamed for something that she really had no control over. Um, so we'll go into into her backstory a bit. But yeah, like you said, face that launched a thousand ships. Very yeah. well-known saying. Um, if there's anyone who, like, like that whole clamshell symbol in here very much, I think, relates to Aphrodite. It does, that, yes. That symbol of Aphrodite coming out of the ocean and symbol of beauty. Mm-hmm. Yes, beauty is a huge part of the Queen of Cups. Yeah, beauty, sexuality. Yeah. Yes. Um, definitely. And what's interesting is that she was, some say that she was so beautiful that words alone couldn't do her justice because the only description in, in the Iliad of her is that she is the face that launched a thousand ships. There's no actual physical description of what she looks like so she could have any color hair any color skin anything, any color eyes anything. yeah and again it kind yeah. of adds any, an air of mystery any shape of, of body so it, it leads yeah it leaves it to the audience to kind of interpret what their ideal of beauty is and place her in it exactly so kind of smart yeah kind of to, to do it that way it is yeah yeah But yeah, so starting, I guess, at her beginning, um, she does have divine parentage like many heroes do. So Mm -hmm. I kind of like that that is the case. So her biological father was Zeus. No big surprise there. Really? (laughs) So she's a demigod? Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) She's like, she's she's Hercules' half-sister? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mind blown. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So her biological father was Zeus and her mother was a mortal, of course, um, named Leta. So Leta, mm-hmm. also quite a beautiful woman, captures Zeus's eye. As many a woman does. As many, many a woman. And so he decides to turn himself into a swan in order to seduce her. Of course. Obviously. So uh, Helen of Troy is... Zeus, swan, and uh, human lady, baby. Yes. Yes. And at this, at this Everyone point, wants to have sex with a swan, right? Obviously. Obviously. That's... We are not endorsing animal. No, no. This is sarcasm. Yes. This is sarcasm, Just folks. sure. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so... Sorry. <laughs> Need to get my mind back. Um, get your mind out of the swan. Out of the swan. <laughs> swan gutter. There. Um, okay, yes. So, 
because Lilitha <laughs> slept with Zeus, also slept with her own husband, but because Zeus was a swan, she gave birth to two eggs. Oh. Because that makes sense. Okay. Because um, they didn't understand how twins work. Yes. Okay. So one of the eggs contained Helen, but also her twin brother. So they, they did they did understand twins. Okay. But it, it was like two sets of twins. So yeah, one like of them had fraternal. Helen versus well i guess all of them would technically be fraternal but there's two dads yeah so like there she had two eggs and one dad was from zeus and one dad was the husband one egg was yes zeus one egg was husband so the one egg from zeus was helen and polyduques um her one of her brothers aka the divine egg okay (laughs) like i like to call it um the other contained her sister clytemnestra and other brother caster so they were from their like the mortal father tendarius so um polyduke so, so she gave birth to four babies at once yeah wow four two eggs then four babies two like, eggs yes. that like then split sure. i think so So it's like I, both yeah. so it's two so, so it's fraternal identical twins but no because one's a male one's a female so they can't be technically identical, oh my gosh right yeah, so what, what? How does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. But that's okay. Because it's, they didn't understand. Exactly. It's twins fine. yet. Also, yeah. swan. Also, men don't have eggs. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. There, yeah. There is a bit of a um, fairy tale aspect kind of, yeah, to that. I um, want I want biologically accurate mythology like, here. No, you are not going to get that here. <laughs> you're not going to get it. No, not going to happen. It, like, I'm getting mad about the eggs part and not the swan sex <laughs> Exactly. Part. There is an issue. There, there. Are a lot of, there are a lot of issues with this story. <laughs> this, yeah. So... <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. But yes, but no, but her her brothers are also known as Castor and Pollux. Okay. Um, another common name. We'll probably come to them at another point because they have their own um, heroic stories as well. Um, actually, that's coming up now. So when Helen was young, um, she was abducted by Theseus. He decided, no, I'm just going to kidnap her because I couldn't get myself Persephone. Okay, okay. Um, but her brothers did go and, and get her back. And this is why, um, or partly why, they came up with the Oath of Tendarius, is so that if anyone kidnaps her, then everyone would go to who, like, kind of signed or everyone who signed this oath, the, yeah. they, they would go and get her back. Okay. So they're foreshadowing the fact that she will, in fact, be kidnapped. Be ki- again. again. Well, they didn't yeah. know, maybe. They just promised you know. that they would go get her. They, they promised, yeah. okay, well, we'll go get her. Because she is beautiful, and they figured, yeah, it's probably going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and to her husband, especially. So, again, inevitably, <laughs> it did occur when Paris came to Sparta. He did steal Helen. Um, but this is where kind of the, ba- the debate of this whole story starts. Did she go willingly mm-hmm. with Paris, you know, leaving her husband and child to go back to Troy? Or did she have no choice in the matter and was just taken against her will? That is a difficult thing. Yeah, because it, it kind of changes how you think how of much her. of a victim is she. Exactly. Right? And that's yeah. just it. Like there are evidence to support But a good queen of claims. cups would never would never tell one way or the other because uh, if she were to yeah. tell then people would stop thinking of her well. 
in one way or the other, right? One way or the other, yeah. yeah. So she definitely has mm-hmm. that aspect of keeping things kind of close to the chest and not mm-hmm. uh, revealing a lot, at least at this point. And still, and but also she's very passive because she's she's still letting things happen to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she is, and I feel like this is almost like she didn't really have any other choice because mm-hmm. what else could she have done? A, especially at that time period. Again, you don't really have much agency. Did she have any choice one mm-hmm. way or the other if she cared for him or not? Um, I was also thinking this is kind of one of seems like one of the earliest cases of victim blaming. Yeah. You know, they yeah. always everyone always blames Helen for the Trojan War, but really was it her fault for being kidnapped? Not really. <laughs> not, not really. No. Yeah. You know, victim blaming is is crazy. It's and it seems it's odd how like how natural it is for people to just jump to the conclusion that it's the victim's fault. Obviously, it's her obviously fault. it's the victim's fault. For this happened. Obviously, she seduced him. Or yeah, she did how this dare or she that. be half god and beautiful? How dare she? How dare she have you know yeah. a prince come and steal her away? And now everyone has yeah, to. Yeah, she war. had it coming for sure. She, oh yeah. Oh no, sarcasm. Sarcasm. Again. Sarcasm Again. alert. Sarcasm. Right. Yeah. Um. Da, 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 da. So yeah. So that's just really not fair in my opinion. Okay, so when even when she was at Troy, there are also varying accounts of her actions. So, on the one hand, she was a loving wife to Paris Mm -hmm. um, and then his brother after Paris dies. Um, She waits for Paris even like in their room when he's out on the battlefield and Mm -hmm. this account is in the Iliad. Aphrodite actually brings him back from the battle and then she not she, as in Helen, sleeps with him while everyone's fighting for basically Yeah. So, so she she does her role as a woman well, no matter where she is or who she's yes, with. Yes, very much so. Very, very much. Queen of Cups. That's a very Queen of Cups mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, she she plays her role very well. Yeah, um, and even like with him, and even with with Hector, her brother in law, she's very kind to him and shows almost more emotion towards him, even in mm-hmm. respect for him than than to Paris. Um, whereas on the other hand, in Euripides' Trojan Women, which we talked about in a previous episode. Um, you know, she claims that she did try to escape Troy and leave Troy and that she, you know, many times to go back to her husband, but every time she was caught and she was unable to do so. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe a little less Queen of Cups. Yeah. And if, she, but, but like maybe she did try and when she was caught, she might have like played dumb. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right? She like, have to. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the smartest thing to do. It's like, oh, no, I would never leave you. Mm-hmm. I would never leave. Yeah. So it like it seems like she was in the position where she had to play all sides. Yeah. Um and she wasn't really it, it didn't really matter what she wanted. Not at all. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the only way she could that it was the to best survive. way for her to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and then finally another rendition of the story is that Helen wasn't even at Troy, but it was in instead a, a fade or like a like a figment almost like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um while she was actually in Egypt all along, and the story we see in Euripides' Helen and a little bit in the Odyssey as well, um, so that when they, she eventually does go home with Menelaus, they do live happily ever after, and she is seen as a loving wife. Like, it's almost mm-hmm. like, it reminds me of the Ten of Cups. Like, everything's happy now. You know, she has her daughter back and her husband and the family, yeah, and, and everything's good. And she's a good mom, too. She is yeah. definitely a good mom. Um, yeah. yeah, so I feel like she is like a really intuitive character in this sense and knows what kind of she needs to say in order to 
just make in order it to survive. Kind of, yeah, yeah, in order to survive, which some people can see as being kind of snaky or conniving, but I don't think that's the case at all in yeah. this situation. In this case, she she does it because it's it's the best course of action, and it doesn't really matter what she wants or what she feels. Um, and it actually like maybe it does matter to her, but it doesn't matter if that's the world that she ends up. Yeah living in it's like she might have this she might have a whole dream world in her own mm-hmm. right but she's really just doing what's best for in, her in that situation in yeah. that situation yeah exactly yeah she's almost like chameleon like she she takes mm-hmm. on the skin of like to blend into any situation yeah if she will and it just shows like the inner strength that she would need to yeah. have exactly i think I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the Queen of Cups there. Yay. It sounds very much like her. Um, well, something else I forgot to mention, actually, is Queen of Cups is very artistic mm-hmm. as well. Um, part of being a dreamer and um, intuitive water symbols, right, uh, often have to do with the arts as well. And Queen of Cups is also very artistic. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I don't know if, the, no, if Helen was. I mean, all... Like, Helen was a good mother, which she's is very a good Queen mother. of Cups. Like, she yeah. would have been able... She would have done... Like, been like an accomplished loom. woman. She would have... Yeah, she would have known how to do certain things and skills. Yeah. Um, that other, like... She would have just she was been, a higher, like, noble woman. Yeah, she... Yeah. It would... It's not that she was praised, extra praised for it, but yeah. it would have been expected. That's the word I'm thinking of. It would be expected of her to know how to do that and to do it well. That's interesting. We haven't really talked about what was expected of woman. At well, this one of them is to yet. be silent. Oh well, <laughs> which she is. Queen of Cups is good at that. Yeah, um, uh, to not be seen. To not basically well, not Helen to be wasn't s- so good at that. No, no, Queen not of Cups be, isn't so good at yeah. not being seen. Not to be seen. Not to be heard. <laughs> Um, yeah, basically the less you seem to exist, the better. Yeah, one of the unfortunate things about the Queen of Cups is that although she is very intuitive, um, and although she knows the right course of action and is able to do it herself, she's not always able to express it to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, like she's, she's a great mother, she's a great, um, great wife, but she's not always able to like convince people of what the best course of action yeah. is and that's definitely helen yeah yeah hey oh oh so we we're definitely yeah we're we're at the we're at time now i guess so yeah that brings us to the end of our episode yes thank you everyone as always so much for listening t- today um if you'd like to support us the easiest way to do so is to tell a friend and spread the word um we've also really appreciate it if you would leave us a review on itunes it just helps more people to find the show and it's really quick and easy to do um and finally we also have our facebook group and instagram page we are at myth tarot love and yeah what do we got going on next week uh next week we're looking at our final cup card the mm. king of cups I bet we should have some like wine like cheers to the end of we the we should i i missed that wine episode that was a good yeah. episode that was the three of cups three. by the way yeah uh if you guys want to drink with us on the three of cups or next week for the king of cups mm-hmm. you can get your 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 cup out we'll do a cheers together to the cups yes um yes so uh Next week, we're looking at the King of Cups. But before that, let's, uh, for this first week of the new year, remember that the Queen of Cups 
uh, is a very powerful entity to keep with you for the new year as well, right? You gotta have you have these dreams, you have these emotions that you're you're feeling with your heart and your intuition. You know the right me- the right way to go. Remember that um, you do have this power. You don't you don't need anyone to to do it for you, as the Queen of Cups sometimes falsely believes of herself. Um, but she also has her main power as being doing whatever she needs to do in the moment, um, and not necessarily not necessarily letting her emotions get the better of her. Um, So anyways, um, our parting words for today come from the American Tarot Association. And it is also the parting words for the Queen of Cups on that Mm. that website. So here it is. The heart may see further, but sometimes you have to look at things with your own eyes. stories, cups, and symbols, and all of the above, myth, tarot, love.